Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What's up, Zinger Nation? Welcome back to Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. Today, we have a sick episode coming at you. I'm going to bring on my co-hosts now. We have the DeFi developer himself, Brian Moore. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing all right. <clears throat> My back is killing me, but I'm happy to be here. Great, man. I'm actually having some audio issues right now. I can't hear y'all, but I'm just going to roll with the punches. We also have Ryan Exit Liquidity McNamara. How are you, Ryan? I, I'm not going to be able to hear you. Let me try to figure this out. Uh, y'all, okay. do me a favor. Can you hear me, Ryan? Chat about the markets real quick. Yeah, I can hear you just fine, Brian. I'm okay, doing cool. well. I, I would ask Logan how he's doing because I know he <laughs> loves to be asked that, but yeah. unfortunately, it's he cannot thing. hear us. Yeah. But yeah, let's get straight into the market update. We got some news for you guys, and then we'll be interviewing BitBoy Crypto. So definitely stay tuned for that. You know, the markets have been going crazy. I would be saying, you know, it's a great day. I love my life, but you know, a couple days ago. I did buy that. Did buy that mutant ape. It's it's gone down. I told you guys I keep you updated. Price floor is around five ETH now. I got it for seven. So you know I'm I'm gonna hold it. I think it's a blue chip NFT. I think it'll go up uh, once ETH starts slowing down. I think a lot of people just want to be in Ethereum right now while the prices are ripping. So I mean it, it is yeah. what it is. I wish I had a little bit more ETH. That that seven ETH I kiss goodbye for that. You know, <laughs> I kind of wish, kind of wish I held it for this run up, but there's not much you can do. And I think the price floor is holding pretty strong, right around five. That is, if ETH doesn't keep ripping. I mean, we're at four thousand dollars right now per Ethereum, just about all time high was right around forty three hundred dollars to forty four hundred dollars. So we're getting really close to a new all time high, which, in my opinion, is pretty surprising because I mean, Bitcoin's at right, right around fifty thousand dollars. So I mean, we're still about twenty five percent of the way to a new Bitcoin all time high. Yet we're only about five to ten percent away to a new Ethereum all time high. So we see Ethereum leading the markets yet again. Brian, you have any hot takes with Ethereum and Bitcoin right now? <clears throat> well, I want to start off saying that I think you'll be just fine with your ape. I, I think that it was still a good buy, a good purchase rather, and um, you'll you'll make a good return. It, <clears throat> it's a solid staple now of the future generation of NFTs. I mean, it was CryptoPunks, now it's Bored Apes. Now you got the mutant, you're part of that ecosystem. I think it'll be great. For Ethereum, I am super excited to pass 4K and hold. Um, it looks like it got um, 
held back after at the 4K mark. It didn't quite uh, make it. It did make it past it, then got rejected pretty quickly. Uh, BTC is holding up above 50K, which that's always exciting. That's a great thing. Again, time after time, we're calling these shots. We're calling these prices. Us three, <laughs> just it doesn't matter. We, we're right. That's just how it works. You guys got to stay tuned in. We've been making really good calls lately. We'll see where it goes. You know, minus my NFT, we've been making some good calls. I have a new call to make. I think we will be seeing a $57,000 Bitcoin within the next week. So you heard it here first. I think we're going to 57K. I like it. I I actually like that. You know, Bitcoin is now following Ethereum. That's just the way it goes in 2021. Mm. Ethereum is no longer altcoin. And I, for one, am excited to see Ethereum flip bitcoin this market oh shit so you changed your this mind market. man i've been well okay been okay that all summer long and you said no it's not gonna happen why <laughs> did right, you change your right. mind ryan i i said there's probably like a third chance that it happens so i still think that you know it's a possibility it's definitely not inevitable at this point a lot of people still don't even know what ethereum is i think bitcoin has a lot of buying pressure when it comes to institutions getting in on bitcoin so it's definitely going to be a big battle for ethereum to flip bitcoin but I'd say it's probably 50% chance at this point. This market cycle, I think, I think, I don't know about more likely than not, but there's definitely a good chance at this point. I think so too. I, I agree with that. I think 57 is a little high, but I like the 55 range. <clears throat> I think within the next yeah week, two weeks, we're going to see 55. Um, I think we're going to see Ethereum push the 4,200 mark and Bitcoin the 55, 57 mark. And I think that's when we're going to go a little bit more sideways for a bit, or we're going to rip to all new highs everywhere around. I mean, someone already mentioned Solana is ripping. Yeah, that's that's my boy. That uh, what did I say is Solana Gomez. That's my girl. It's going to just keep on popping. It's going to keep on rolling. I'm all about it. I, I like it more than a Binance Smart Chain at the moment because of the potential uh, that it has. So. Crypto's looking good right now. Yeah, we, we did even see Solana flip Doge this morning. That was pretty crazy. Ooh. Smart contracts or something. I yeah, that's what. crazy. Yeah. Solana has smart contracts on it, so you don't even have to wait. If you're in Cardano and you're waiting for smart contracts, <laughs> why, coming. guys, why wait? Why wait? Solana <laughs> has them. So does Ethereum. So we're at $95 billion market capitalization for Cardano, and we're at a $41 billion market capitalization for Solana. So, I mean, we could see if if Solana can compete with Cardano and, and come to a similar market cap. I mean, we could see Solana around $250. I would not be surprised if we got to that range within the next few months. What do you guys think? I like yeah, it. I think it's definitely possible, especially with the, with the SBF backing. FTX is just pumping Solana. They're going to get more integrated into all these different things. We're going to see some cross-chain action going on, connecting to Ethereum, and then a bunch of people are going to be bridging over um, just for those low gas fees. What about the Solana NFTs? Do you guys think that, that those have had an impact on Solana's price? Oh, absolutely. That this, That's what started the whole rip and roaring, that uh, the Degen apes, They that's what put it off the map and now everyone's going this will actually work it's not just some random half chain and <clears throat> also uh axie infinity is now on binance smart chain which is yeah, pretty, cool pretty cool too i think we'll we'll take a i think probably not monday because we're not having an episode but the next episode we might get into that a little bit because that's kind of big news 
But um, NFTs are changing the game again, but even more than they were, you know, back in January or February. So that's really cool. Already. Uh, so I see BitBoy just popped in backstage. I'm going to get the interview started right now. I'll pull my Run screen it. up and I'm going to bring Ben on. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Pretty good. It's a good day in crypto. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, I loved your keynote at the uh, Benzinga Crypto Festival this week. Thanks for stopping by. And sure. uh, thanks for coming on Moon or Bust as well. I love it, man. I like the name, Moon or Bust. Let's moon. <laughs> Appreciate it. So before we get into crypto, I want to talk cars a little bit. I know you have a Hellcat. Uh, is the Lambo coming soon? Yeah. So, well, technically, I don't have a Hellcat. I got a Demon. So oh, technically. Okay. Oh, okay. Now, okay. I did I did have a Hellcat. I had a 2021 Hellcat okay. Red Eye, and um, it actually got stolen at the airport back in April when I went on a trip to uh, Florida. So learn the lesson. Don't, don't drive that thing to the airport. And uh, so I bought the Demon. So it's 2018 Demon. I, it had 18 miles on it when I bought it. So it's, it's a killer nice. car. It's actually faster than the Lambo I've got coming. But uh, the Lamborghini is a... Um, it's the STO, so it's the Huracan oh, STO. It's the best uh, one. That, thing, that thing's amazing. The STO is so cool. Yeah. So I basically had to go through a, a dealer in uh, in Florida, in Jacksonville, and the GM there had one personally built, and he's going to sell me that one. They got a they got an incentive wow. thing where to get all the incentives as a dealer, they have to wait three months to sell it. So it's already in. I'm just waiting until that three-month date, which will actually be right around my birthday near the end of October. And a nice little birthday present is black. Uh, interior is black and yellow. I'm going to put some yellow accents, you know, kind of as, as some wraps on the outside to highlight the curves. But uh, I'm super stoked. I mean, that's get awesome. a Lambo. What, what yeah. is there after that? You're, that's it. That's it. That's, that's, that's the goal for, for all the crypto investors. Uh, well, you know, we haven't paid for it yet. I mean, we're going to pay for it, you know, um, all at one time. So we're definitely going to ask if they'll take crypto. Uh, but we'll have some money mm -hmm. moved over just in case it's 450 K. So it's a, it's, it's a, a, a good purchase. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Congrats. That's, that's yeah, so thanks. cool. Uh, okay. So uh, if there's anyone out there who hasn't seen your channel before, uh, could you talk to us about what got you into crypto and then what made you want it to start making a YouTube content? Yeah, sure. So uh, if anybody watched my, my keynote with the Benzinga uh, crypto uh, conference the other day. I told the story about how I got into crypto. Just a quick summary is I got into Bitcoin in 2012. It was 12 bucks. First time I bought 1196, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, I bought it to pay for a service. I was paying for a software that I was using. It wasn't Silk Road related. A lot of people got <laughs> I always point that out because when I say I was paying yeah. for something, they were like, oh, you probably spent 30 Bitcoin on some mushrooms. No, that didn't happen. We so, won't get into that. <laughs> so, uh, no, I used it to buy to, to pay for a software. And, you know, I sold it all in 2013. Uh, the, what I had in my account, it was a few thousand dollars and took my family on a little vacation. We went down to the beach and uh, paid off a couple bills, and I thought that was it. Then in 2014, Mt. Gox got hacked, and I thought that was the end of crypto. So I bought and sold a little bit in between 2014 and 2017, but uh, 2017 was when I started – I was just sick. Like, I was looking at the price going up, and I kept calculating mm -hmm. how much money I had because I had spent over $10,000 <laughs> uh, on Bitcoin in between about 10 and 60 bucks. Wow. And so – you know, thinking about how rich I should have been. And I was there like struggling to pay bills and, you know, you know, buy Christmas kids or uh, Christmas presents for the kids and stuff. And 
I was just like, man, I really missed out on this opportunity. I wonder if there's any way I can salvage it. And so I decided to go all in on crypto because I really believed in it. I love decentralization. Uh, I hate, you know, the techocracy that we have to live with that tells us what to do and runs our government really these days. And so the idea of, of crypto really reverberated with me. And so in 2018, I decided to start a YouTube channel. It was going to be a cartoon. That's where BitBoy came from. And uh, over time, like it just wasn't a time where people wanted to have fun content because it was a bear market. And so my, all my friends, he encouraged me like, Hey, start news videos. People care what you have to think. You know, you've got a good way of communicating. So started the channel for about two years. Nobody watched. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, starting in January of 2020, things really started blowing up and, uh, you know, now we've got the biggest community in all of crypto. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, very cool. So you've been in cryptocurrency for quite a while. I know Brian, he got some Bitcoin back in 2012 or 2013. So he feels he feels your pain there, you know, getting in at such a cheap price, you know, if you would have only simply held. But I mean, that, yeah, that is what it here. is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cryptocurrency for you, though. And then you go down the rabbit hole, you learn so much. And there's so many different projects out there. So I'm interested in knowing what are some of your all time favorite cryptocurrency projects? And also, did you ever have any favorite cryptocurrency projects you were really bullish on, say, maybe back in 2017, 2018, during the ICO craze that actually went bust? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got I, I got a good one there. Okay. Um, I'll start there and then I'll go with, uh, you know, my, my all time favorites. Uh, the one that went bust was called Spective. It was S P E C T I V. And, and the idea of it, uh, or the ticker symbol was S I G. And the idea of it was awesome. Uh, and this is what we see with a lot of these ICOs that went bust is the ideas are great. Similarly to like during the, uh, the dot-com bubble, the dot-com boom, like pets.com was a great idea. It was just 20 years too early. I mean, you look now there's, what, what is the one now? Chewy, BarkBox, yeah, Chewy. 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 Yeah. Like that's basically pets.com, you know? And so it was just the idea was too early. And so this was uh, what we are seeing now with Oculus and what we're seeing now with uh, Seek VR, some of these virtual reality projects. Uh, it was just ahead of its time. It was a virtual reality uh, platform where you could go to sports, different sporting events. Now, this is before the pandemic, so we didn't know, you know, this this would be a thing down the road, you know, that was super relevant. But you go to concerts, you go to sporting events, you could go to theme parks and ride roller coasters in virtual reality. And I just thought, man, this is such a great idea. I think this is going to be huge. And this, this project doesn't even exist anymore. You know, that was one. And, and I lost a lot of money on that one. Um, at the time, you know, it was a large part of my portfolio. I was like, this is the coin I'm going all in on. Uh, and so I put a bunch of money into it. And then it went to literally zero. Uh, it's not even around anymore. They do no development on it. So uh, that's one, one, you know, my friend who was the person that encouraged me to do the news videos early on. Like, that's the big joke between us always. You know, we still talk about SIG. Like, that was the one. We spent hours trying to learn how to use a decentralized exchange to get it to. You know, six hours I can never get back. But because that's how long it took back in the early days to use a DEX to try to figure it out. It took me six hours to make a trade. It's very uh, complicated. So it was extremely complicated. I mean, I had every, you know, tab known to man open on my Chrome browser trying to figure out how to do it. But, uh, but as far as favorite projects, um, you know, I mean, obviously – uh, Ethereum is is probably my all time favorite project. I mean, I absolutely love the decentralized internet. Um, I know now we got Web three and we got other projects. You know, Polkadot they're working on similar stuff. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Ethereum is really the one that started this movement. And yep. I'm just not a fan of the few making decisions for everybody. And and I mm -hmm. hate that. I, I go totally against that in in every regard. And so 
because of that, I love a decentralized internet. And I think it can actually, this, this is something I, I say a pretty good bit, is that, you know, people always love to say crypto and blockchain, it's in the wild west, right? You guys heard people say that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All the time. It's the wild west. Yep. That's a lie. The internet is still in the wild west. Yeah. And so decentralization and blockchain has a way to actually stabilize a lot of the, the deepest and darkest and worst parts of internet technology and, and the way it can be used. I mean, I always like to use the example of, you know, we should not be living in a world where an eight-year-old can grab his mom's phone and pull up hardcore pornography in uh, like one minute. Uh, <laughs> right. You, seems like a pretty big, pretty big, you know, gap there between what we should have and then what's reality. Now, for us consenting adults, whatever they want to do, but children shouldn't be able to do that. And yet they can do that all the time. Um, it's a big problem in schools. And, you know, I could go on and on about it, but that's a big flaw with the Internet right now. And blockchain through identity verification, I think one day, you know, you're going to have your phone tied to your identity. We know Google has the ability to censor images that go on the search results. So we know phones have that ability too. So hmm. even, you know, person to person, you know, a 14 year old can't be sending a, a, you know, a 14 year old pictures on their phone and stuff like that. Their identity hmm. will be tied to it. They just couldn't see it. Um, it, it. The phone would not allow it. So that's just one example of something I think is a really big flaw in the internet. The blockchain can solve very easily. And then we've got tons of other problems out there from identity fraud to, um, you know, credit card fraud. So many things that can be tied in a better way to our digital identities, which Cardano, you know, might play a, a role in is, is they're working on a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff, trying to win a contract with the mm-hmm. European union. Um, but you know, back to, back to Ethereum, I think it can solve through smart contracts, basically every major problem we have on the internet. So it's got the biggest development community. I made a lot of money on Ethereum over the years. We were telling people to buy it when it was under a hundred dollars, uh, people that listen, they're doing very well right now. People that didn't listen, you know, they continue to kick themselves. Mm-hmm. And hopefully at some point they got in. Uh, Cardano is also a project that I do love. I, it's like an Ethereum competitor. But, um, you know, some of my favorite projects, uh, you know, just to kind of list a few outside of Ethereum, uh, Cardano, yeah. Polygon, hmm. Cartesi, VeChain, uh, you know, Chainlink. These are some of my favorite projects. Yeah, you pretty much named awesome. all of mine. <clears throat> you should tell Ryan Cardano one more time, just <laughs> so he gets it. See, yeah, no, like let's, let's dig into that for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ryan, you aren't bullish on on Cardano as much as some of the rest of us are. Uh, maybe you could explain why. Yeah, first I'd like to clear this up. I am bullish on Cardano. I think we'll probably see between eight to twelve dollars by the end of this market cycle for Cardano. So I think there's really good returns to be made. But I like to invest in more so in the community and the ecosystem. I know Cardano has a great community around it, but they don't really have much of an ecosystem going on because they don't have smart contracts released yet. Um, so I like to see the adoption. I like to see the value lock, say on Solana with. The Serum Dex, for example, has over a billion dollars now, and it's about half the market cap of Cardano. Um, Ethereum obviously has like over a hundred billion dollars locked at this point within its ecosystem, and the most mm-hmm. users by far. So, I mean, there, there's pros and cons to all of this stuff, but I think that Cardano's promising a lot, and hopefully they deliver. But we haven't seen too much be delivered yet. So, I mean, maybe I'll get more bullish on Cardano once those smart contracts are released, and I see how that ecosystem develops. Because, yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. great on paper, but until we actually see it play out, I'm personally not invested. Yeah, I think that Cardano like has a lot of big followers, especially because of Charles Hoskinson's presence. Um, but Ben, I'm curious to hear what your take is, why you're so bullish on Cardano over um, something like Solana that already has the ecosystem going for it. 
Yeah. Well, I, I would say Solana is all scam money, but that's that's not that's a whole different that's a whole different story. Now we love Solana huh. as a project. We love the Serum Dex. We think I've been bullish on Solana forever, but uh, Digital Currency Group, who runs all of crypto in roundabout ways, has uh, has their hooks in that thing. Very solid. And look, if you think that the Solana pump we've had this week is based upon its growing mm -hmm. ecosystem, then I've got a, a bridge to nowhere to sell you. Because why is it pumping? Because just last week it was reported that the number one coin institutional money was, was going into was Solana. Number two was Cardano. Number three was huh. Ethereum. For the first time ever, Solana was number one. And right after we get this news, it pumps like 70%. Big yeah. shocker. The big money drives the entire ecosystem in the markets, and that's what we saw. It has nothing to do with their growing ecosystem. For Cardano, mm -hmm. with their ecosystem, like I, I love to talk about, like uh, w when it comes to debates I have with people, it's always like to have timelines, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people talk about, you know, Bitcoin having a lengthening cycle. Like, okay, when's the date when we can say that that is or is not true? I like to have mm -hmm. things that we can look at to say, okay, you're right, I was wrong, or vice versa. This is one of those things with Cardano. Like, yeah, great. You have nine days left to make that argument. You got nine days left to make the <laughs> argument that they have no ecosystem, right? After that nine days, you're going to see Cardano is going to be the fastest, most explosive growing ecosystem we have ever seen in crypto. And it's not even going to be close. So two months from now, its ecosystem is going to be probably five times bigger than Solana's. That's probably not an exaggeration. If you look at all the projects wow. that are lined up to launch on Cardano, it blows Solana's away. Now, Solana's growing. Yeah. It's doing well. But two months from now, you're just not going to be able to make that argument. And the thing that I don't like about the Cardano haters is they – and really what I don't like about haters in any realm of the world <laughs> is they're just constantly moving the goalpost. You know, at first it was like, well, they don't even have anything. So then they get all their code together, and they're like, okay, well, now they don't have a main net. They're not even launched. So then they launch their main net. Then they're like, well, the roadmap is too slow. They're never getting smart contracts. Well, here come the smart contracts. Like every piece of the, of the way has been criticized, but at some point that decision point is going to be now, and all of those arguments are going to be invalid. And so that's coming very soon. I, I love Charles Hoskins, and he's one of what I believe to be the few one of the few authentic people in crypto. Uh, I don't believe anything that comes out of the mouths of anybody from Grayscale or anybody <laughs> from Coinbase or anybody from Coindesk or Cointelli. I don't believe any of those people. Charles Hoskins is somebody, yeah, Charles Hoskins is somebody that you can actually listen to, and he may he may be wrong about something, but. He actually believes what he says. You know, Eric Voorhees, Alex Mashinsky, these are other people I put in that same category. So um, I, I definitely believe that uh, Cardano is going to be everything they say it's going to be. And it's got 71% of the total supply locked up in nodes. So yeah, from a price crazy. perspective, it's already going to crush it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm just waiting for the ecosystem to match the hype and it is going to happen. But fact is, there is no real relationship, just like I told you with Solana, there's no relationship between the price of a project and the fundamentals in its use case. There's just no connection, mm -hmm. especially at this point During a bull in a market, bull market. Yeah. So with Cardano, th there's no connection between the speculation and what they actually have already. Um, but mm -hmm. when they launch a smart contract, that should strengthen the speculation. But it'll be many, many years before we actually see a connection between successful projects and the price. Awesome. So uh, you mentioned something earlier about lengthening cycles. I think that'd be a great segue into our next question. Um, so you say that the, the bull run is going to end by this year, correct? Or By yeah. this month. Yeah. By the end of this year. By this month, really. 
Yeah, so uh, September 28th is a date that I've said uh, for about a year and a half, almost two years now. There, there's a lot of evidence to base that off of. Now, the individual date is not important. I'm not Nostradamus or BitBoy Stradamus. <laughs> like, I don't have the exact date. <clears throat> the, the thing that's more important is understand that's a marker. That is a marker for approximately when the bull run for Bitcoin should end. Hmm. It's based on something called the golden bull ratio. When you look back at the history of the Bitcoin cycles, they're evenly matched between the first half of the cycle before the halving and the second half after the halving or the halving. So we know generally when this should end. Now, I've always said give or take a week. Now I'm starting to think maybe two weeks. We could go into the middle of October, possibly mm-hmm. around the fourth, you know, somewhere between the 12th and the 15th. But that's me just trying to pad just in case I, I, I'm I'm wrong. I still think it's going to be by the first week of October, it's going to be over. We're going to see explosive movement for Bitcoin uh, over this month. And then next month, this thing is going to die down. However, altcoins are going to run for considerably longer. Uh, I've always said between Halloween and November. Uh, it, yeah. But I, I do believe because we only have one altcoin cycle to base that off of, uh, we mm-hmm. have four Bitcoin cycles. We've got one altcoin cycle. So because of that, it could be longer, it could be shorter, but I would definitely lean towards a longer altcoin season. Uh, I've always said Thanksgiving should wrap it up, uh, but could possibly go, you know, to, to Christmas. Somebody says I make all my predictions based on holidays, which I never realized. <laughs> well, they're good. It's a good time to to make sure you see what what time frame you're looking at, because you yeah. know Christmas, Halloween, Fourth of July, all that stuff. You can break it up pretty easily. I get that. Exactly. <clears throat> so, are you surprised that ETH is leading the way right now? Um, and, and then also, what do you expect BTC to be around during that peak? Okay, so I, I do not find it surprising that Ethereum is leading the way. I, Ethereum definitely EIP fifteen fifty nine is what kicked this off, and and we knew EIP fifteen fifty nine was going to have some significant price action on Bitcoin. It's not a buy the rumor, sell the news event, kind of like the mm-hmm. the Solana hackathon, which is that's all a joke. <laughs> um, but you know, this is actually a fundamental thing that affects the price because it makes Ethereum deflationary instead of inflationary. And now it's looking like you know, recently more deflationary than even Bitcoin. So um, it was just supposed to make it less inflationary, but in some regards, it is moving maybe to deflationary. So that's a fundamental effect, you know, of supply and demand that does you know, compound into factoring into the price. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me though. If someone asked me uh, last week, they said, you know, what's going to hit an all-time high first Bitcoin or Ethereum. And I said, Ethereum, and it looks like that could be true. I don't have the, let me pull up the chart right now and take a quick or pull up the price. Yeah. Ethereum's at 3963. It's just been hovering right around 4k. So, I mean, we are less than 400 bucks away from an all-time okay. high for, for Ethereum. So I can't imagine Bitcoin pumping up, you know, $14,000 from here and Ethereum not ticking up 400. So Ethereum is going to hit all-time highs first. Uh, I've always said that, you know, the one of the markers for this bull run is going to, and I keep referring back to predictions I made years ago, uh, two years ago. And the reason for that is pretty simple is now that we're very close to all of these timelines that I've talked about for a long time, it's important to be able to watch and understand I'm not making these predictions based on last week. Like these are all numbers and dates I've had in mind for two years now. So when it comes to, to um, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum specifically, um, I've always said that one of the markers of this bull run would be by the end of it, Ethereum will be a household name. By the end of 2017, Bitcoin was a household name. Didn't mean everybody was invested in it, 
But during that peak, everybody knew what Bitcoin was. They could tell you it was digital money. They may not have bought it, they, but they, they knew a friend who did or they saw something on CNBC. They knew what Bitcoin was in a very loose sense. By the end of this bull run, Ethereum will do the same thing. So it's always outperformed Bitcoin ever since it was around. No reason to think that that's going to you know not continue. So you know, as the returns for Bitcoin get smaller and smaller over these cycles, it only makes sense that people would shift more towards Ethereum. So as far as top price for Bitcoin, um, my original price when we were looking at uh, you know a super explosive bull run was around the stock to flow number. Um, uh, its number was $289,000, the stock to flow commodities chart that, that is applied to Bitcoin. I thought we'd see a $300,000 Bitcoin, but unfortunately we saw a lot of manipulation from the institutions as we always see. It chopped out three months out of this bull run. So that means that we are no longer looking at a two, three, four dollars $400,000 Bitcoin like a lot of people believe. You can't just chop three months out and get to the same price. So in my opinion, mm-hmm. $100,000 to $120,000 will be the absolute tops for this mm-hmm. bull run. In the craziest, most wild, you know, moonish prediction I can make, I could think of, Maybe it runs to 150 to 160K, but I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely think somewhere, I, I'm looking specifically about $110,000 uh, to be the top right there between 100K and 120. It will hit 100K this year, though. And, and it's going to happen fast. This is all going to happen very soon. So, what do you think about, uh, like, I'm, are you familiar with Benjamin Cowan, his lengthening yeah. cycles? Yeah, that's the guy who uh, I always theory. talk about. I, I like him. I've had him on the show. You know, people think I don't like him because I always talk about his lengthening cycles, but he's got he's got a lot of influence out there. And he I does. just I just happen to think he's wrong about it. Yeah. No, for sure. It's it's I mean, no one knows, right? We'll have to wait and see. Um, was, was that was that the question? <laughs> like just uh, I mean, yeah. if you have more thoughts on on uh like your case against the lengthening cycles, yeah. I'd be curious to hear. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've never believed in a lengthening cycle. Now, look, it may be a week longer, but but basically his premise is it's going to be many months longer. A lot of people mm-hmm. believe that we're going to be peaking out in uh, 2022, and that's mm-hmm. simply just not going to happen. There's, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of technical reasons. There's a lot of fundamental reasons. And more importantly, there's a lot of manipulation reasons uh, that we're not yeah. going to see that. Uh, the big talking point from the government lately has been inflation. When have you mm-hmm. ever heard the government warning people about inflation? <laughs> that that doesn't even make sense, right? So you got to wonder what's really going on. In the fall, maybe late fall, we are going to be moving from inflation to deflation. I understand it defies logic. It defies logic. We see all the money printing. We saw the stimulus. But now you look at Wells Fargo cutting personal credit accounts, also cutting corporate credit accounts. I know someone this happened to. Why would they be doing that? They're trying to hold on to more of their own money. We have the eviction moratorium that was, uh, you know, uh, tried to be extended at all costs, they say. Of course, for political reasons, uh, the administration wanted to make it look like they were trying to put that in place for votes. But that's over, which means you're no longer protected from eviction if you can't pay your rent, which means you actually have Mm -hmm. to pay your rent. Most of the people, by the way, that that, 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 uh, were granted that moratorium could work because we know only 50% of jobs in America were shut down on average. 50% of all jobs in America during the deepest part of the pandemic were still considered to be essential. Okay. So the point here is this, is that there's a lot of free money train that is stopping. Why is the government stopping the free money train? Well, 
that would be because the government itself is also trying to hold on to their money. We're looking at bond yield tapering, which is the key to this whole thing that will be happening probably sometime in November, between October and November. That is going to have a big impact on the economy and that has a big effect on the stock market. We're going to look at stocks going down at the end of this year. The, the stock bull run will be over by the end of this year. Uh, so not only are we looking at crypto, not only are we talking about stocks going down, but the entire economy is going to take a big hit. At first, it's going to seem very positive, though, because what happens is, is that uh, places have to stop. When the dollar becomes more valuable, that means that companies and retailers, they drop prices on stuff. But when they do that, they're making less money, which eventually leads to job cuts and people getting laid off. Right now, anybody who wants a job can go get a job. By next year, that will no longer be the case. So because that deflation is kicking in in the fall, it lines perfectly with every timeline that I've put together. And so I can't believe that there is going to be a lengthening cycle. Look, cash will be king come late, come winter. Cash will be king once again. And I know that is antithetical to every crypto argument that we've been making for years. But the government's about to pull the rug out from under us. And I believe that part of this is going to be USDC playing a role as the digital dollar, meaning there will be more demand for it. When you move to a digital dollar, you take away the, uh, the, the geographical borders around being able to get access to your money. That's going to create a higher demand across the world for the U.S. dollar. Uh, and I think that that's going to ha- also have a, a big impact on the deflation. We're seeing the dollar index rising as we speak. So th- there are a lot of factors, in my opinion, that point towards deflation, black swan event, Coming in the fall, in or in December, some sometime in between October and December, and Bitcoin is not going to thrive this time. And this is good for Bitcoin. It's great for Bitcoin that this is going to come at the exact end of what should be the bull run. Imagine if this has ha- had happened three months ago, there would be no more bull run. So it's really advantageous. That's why on my channel we really preach to people. You know, you <coughs> sell the tops and buy the bottoms. That's how you you change your life. Gotcha, man. That that was that was a whole lot yeah. to take in. I didn't even, <clears throat> I, I never thought of it that way. That that's such a like a really creative way to think about it because I think you're absolutely right. That never really crossed my mind how it being in a bearish or even a downturn cycle is actually a good thing, but then also a, a larger scale economy bad thing, but then can be transformed into progress and you know some really major gains in the future and kind of get us out of this rut we're in because of COVID, all that other stuff that's thank you that's crazy that's mm. a great way to look at it <clears throat> one thing i wanted to ask is so you, do you think that this whole mindset on uh bitcoin versus ethereum and it, pretty much everything you just kind of went through do you think that might turn people into more of the altcoin or ethereum maxi over the bitcoin maxi because bitcoin is kind of becoming a little bit more not outdated but just it, the use case isn't as there as it used to be and now it's just people who really really like it people want to be about it and big institutions and quote unquote old money now getting into crypto you know 10 years too late but they're back into it. do you think we're going to see more switch into besides grayscale and all those switch into ethereum and you know some more altcoins yeah so i mean Technically, there's no such thing as an altcoin maximalist. You know, there's no such thing as an Ethereum yeah. maximalist. But I like to call myself an Ethereum maximalist as a joke mm. to troll the Bitcoin maxis. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I can't stand Bitcoin maximalists. I think they are the most toxic people in all of crypto. Um, they have become the very thing that they set 
out to fight in the beginning, which is just the deepest irony of all, you know, like trying to control us. Like you can't invest in that coin. Like trying to tell me what to do with my money. Uh, A lot of these guys, they just got rich early. Max Kaiser, um, you know, uh, a lot of the guys that wrote all, all, you know, a lot of the books to do the Bitcoin podcast, Matt O'Dell, Peter McCormick. These guys got rich early. Well, Peter McCormick didn't, but a lot of these other guys, they got rich early off Bitcoin and they just have held onto this narrative and they won't let go of it. Why? It made them all their money. It's the same exact reason Warren Buffett doesn't invest in a blockchain. It's exactly why Amazon had to wait until Jeff Bezos moved on from CEO to get interested in crypto. Jeff Bezos made all of his money in the traditional system. Warren Buffett made all his money in the traditional system. Jamie Dimon made all of his money in the traditional system. Why do these guys want crypto? They don't. And it's the same thing with the maxis. They made all their money in Bitcoin. Why do they want all coins to do well? Uh, But it's very apparent to me Ethereum is going to pass, I believe, 100%. Hmm. Ethereum will pass Bitcoin permanently in the next five years. Um, I think this year it's got a good chance to to touch it and then retrace, Hmm. uh, maybe pass it by a few million dollars or a billion dollars and then go back down. Um, I I don't think it'll permanently pass it this cycle, but I think it's got a great chance to to pass it at least for a moment, get rejected, Hmm. then in four to five years, pass it permanently. Ethereum is mm-hmm. such a bigger opportunity than Bitcoin. It's hard to even put it into words. Uh, Raul Powell mm-hmm. was actually on my show this week, and he said he believes that the future is a $200 trillion market cap for all of crypto. Let me tell you, the vast majority of that is not going to be in Bitcoin. I can't see Bitcoin ever mm-hmm. achieving over a $30 trillion market cap. Uh, I, well, I've actually said 20, but maybe 30 being super generous. Uh, $20, $20 million market cap would basically mean it eats the entire market cap of gold and then doubles that. Mm-hmm. That would be 20. Uh, so I think that's possible. But when you look at the derivatives market, which Ethereum helps to pull into crypto, yep, it's a quadrillion dollars. It's yeah. a quadrillion dollars. It's more money than you can visualize. Yeah. That's two thirds of all the money in the world are derivatives. Ethereum and other, you know, blockchain uh, projects in a similar vein can pull those into our market. And when you look at that, that means that crypto has bigger potential than anything we've ever seen in the history of mankind, uh, you know, to be a, a, a unifying force of markets. So, uh, and that's not even, that's not even bringing, that's just talking about derivatives. That's not even bringing in the actual use case of a decentralized internet, which we all desperately you know, need and want, unless we're going to be living in a, in a big brother society. And I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the book uh, where, I mean, we're already there to be honest with you. So Ethereum is one of our best hopes to get us out of that. So between the decentralized uh, internet, between the derivatives market, uh, there, there's just no better thing than Ethereum out there over the long term, it's definitely not mm-hmm. Bitcoin. So I think it's just a matter of time. Look, somebody explain it like this is it, trying to like put band-aids on something that doesn't work anymore. You know, it's just trying to fix something. It's never going to be a currency. It's digital gold. It does great as digital gold. It's never going to be a currency. And there's nothing that the Maxis can do to, to make that, you know, that, that dream come to pass. El Salvador accepting Bitcoin is a great example this is going to be the Bitcoin maximalist worst nightmare. They feel like El Salvador accepting Bitcoin. Yes, everybody's taking it as currency. You know what's going to happen? The people are going to realize that they don't want to spend it because it goes up in value. Yeah. So anybody that gets it is going to hold on to it is going to be the whole purpose of having it as a currency. So I think really this El Salvador experiment is going to be maybe the linchpin and finally driving away that narrative that it is a currency. Huh. 
That's yeah, Ben, I really like your take on, on Bitcoin and ETH. Earlier on in the show, before you came on, we were just talking about the possibility of Ethereum flipping Bitcoin this market cycle. Logan certainly thinks it will. I think there's probably a 50-50 chance or so. But definitely in the long run, I mean, it's almost inevitable, I think. Ethereum will pass Bitcoin's market cap. There's just so much more you can do, especially when you have a 200 trillion, say, 10, down, 10 years down the road, and we have a 200 trillion or even a $100 trillion market cap. There's just no way that Bitcoin can be dominant in that scenario. Like you said, it's kind of, it's the digital gold and it'll be used as that as a store of value. And yeah, yeah the like you said, it's a ten trillion dollar market cap for gold and, and Bitcoin's much more accessible, especially ten years from now. So yeah, maybe twenty trillion, maybe thirty trillion, like you said. But I mean mm-hmm. Ethereum just it has so much more potential to do so many more yeah. things. Um, so speaking on the trends here, we've seen a lot of new trends in crypto, especially on Ethereum in these past couple of years. First, we saw DeFi. Now we're seeing NFTs. Do you have any thoughts on, on the future of DeFi and NFTs? And do you see any new trends coming about in the next few months? No, I don't have any opinions. Okay. okay. Have, you, just, have you gotten I, any? I, I, NF- I oh, you do? <laughs> okay, sweet, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Sure like, right, like, move on. You know what? I just no. No, I don't have no, I've lost <laughs> pull in my uh, leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I definitely think DeFi, NFTs, and gaming coins are the three niches to watch in the bear market. Um, because I do believe in a bear market. I believe in a deep, painful bear market. Uh, just like we saw last time, the one I didn't believe in, and then it came. So this time I definitely mm-hmm. believe in it. Um, and so those three niches, I believe, are ones that have the opportunity maybe to hold the best or to have independent moments where, uh, you know, their use case and their act, not just our use case, but their actual number of users and, and, and what they're putting out will have ability to have some pumps even within the bear market. So those are three things to watch. I, I think with NFTs, this is an argument I've been getting into uh, with my business partner, uh, TJ. A lot of people know him from the show. But, you know, he he thinks that in the bear market, NFT projects are going to go down and then the individual collectibles are going to go down as well with them. So, like, let's say you have a board ape. Let's say it's worth $200,000. Uh, you know, uh, Ethereum goes all the way back down to, let's just say, you know, $1,500 after maybe it hits 10000 And that means that, you know, the board ape is going to, you know, shoot down that same percentage. So it's only going to be worth, you know, uh, $30,000 or something like that. I, I don't believe that's true. And the reason is because I have spent a lot of time um, working in the sports memorabilia business, actually. So I used to have, uh, you know, I used to sell signed football helmets. It was really interesting to watch the values of those helmets from week to week. One week, mm-hmm. we would have a helmet that would come in and that helmet would, you know, be worth $2,500. The next week, we couldn't get rid of it for 600 and that may be based on all, you know, factors like, uh, you know, maybe somebody got traded and that's now his old helmet or, you know, maybe a new version of the helmet came out. Maybe a team got a new logo or something like that. So many factors played into that. But the collectibles market moves that way for baseball cards, for Pokemon cards, for football helmets, for movie memorabilia. It's constantly going up and down. I'll start here. Constantly going up and down. So whereas with crypto and the price of the NFT projects themselves, I do think we're going to see considerable bear action. I think within the bear market for the NFT collectibles, we're going to see that same kind of ebb and flow of the prices independent of the price of the collectibles, independent of the price of the coin, if that makes sense. Mm. So do yeah, you think that too. NFTs will actually underperform Ethereum in a bear market? Say that the board Ape's worth 40 ETH right now. Do you think it will be worth less than 40 ETH when, when it's, Ethereum's at $1,500? Or do you think it will probably stay around the same price in Ethereum terms? Well, I, I think that, that it's a great question. 
Um, it's one I've got to put some thought to. I, I would say that the thing you have to take into consideration is, is this. There was less interest in a bear market in general by a long shot, okay? So guys that were doing YouTube videos, for instance, that were getting hundreds of thousands of views on them in the bull market, like back in 2017, in 2019, you know, they were, they were lucky to hit 10,000, okay? There's less interest. So when there's less interest, that means that there's less demand. And so that less demand would seem to indicate that the prices should drop a- across the board. But the NFT buyer is not necessarily the crypto enthusiast. Now, they may have become a crypto enthusiast through buying NFTs, but we're seeing through a lot of these mainstream celebrities and athletes, a new kind of buyer come in that is not necessarily super savvy on the crypto markets. I mean, I've done interviews time after time with, uh, you know, different celebrities and athletes. They're like, man, I'm really into these NFTs. I don't really care about Bitcoin or Ethereum. So because of that, that means that even when the interest drops, that there still could be a level of interest from people outside of crypto. And NFT is the, and it, mm-hmm. like, there's no question about it. NFT is the bridge to adoption for crypto. The mainstream bridge to adoption. We're seeing it. Mm-hmm. We're seeing people that would never be in this space. And the thing yep. that people really discount it are the companies that are behind the scenes making all of the moves, getting themselves ready to sell NFTs, kind of like the NBA did with a NBA top shot seeing the NFL position itself. We have a call with a professional sports team next week. They're wanting to do something with us <coughs> with a, excuse me, with our NFT launching program. So you're seeing paramount you're, you're seeing movie companies everywhere. Uh, Kevin Smith, director of clerks, uh, you know, doing clerks three, it's got blockchain through it. So we're seeing Hollywood getting interested. And I think this is something we're not going to see stop. So I actually believe if you were to tell me, would I rather have a, a board ape or the equivalent amount of ETH? I would say I would probably rather have the board ape because it's going to move more erratically. There may be a better time for me to sell it, you know, uh, on a pump than Ethereum, which is going to be pretty much straight down. Hmm. <clears throat> That's fascinating. That's uh, so, so Ben, I don't know if you heard the news, but as of this morning, the SEC is reportedly investigating Uniswap uh, and the Uniswap Labs team in the United States. Um, do you think that that these uh, governance tokens should be listed as securities? What do you think is going to end up happening with this? Yeah, all crypto is a security. Let's shut it down. We had a good run. <laughs> All right, guys. GG. F in the chat. Yeah. Let's get some Fs in the chat. <laughs> so, so here's the situation with uh, with Uniswap. This is not about Uniswap at all. Uh, mm-hmm. This is about Ripple Labs. This yeah, story yeah. that is out today is 100% about Ripple Labs. It is not about Uniswap. This is a diversion. This is a look this way and don't look at what we're doing over here. Because what's going hmm. on is that... The Ripple Labs case is getting settled very soon. I believe by the end of this month, that will be over. There's a lot of evidence now coming out to support that. I've been sounding like a crazy person for two months saying it would happen in the middle of September. But now I'm actually starting to get a little support on that. There's a there's a court date on September 14th that could end up being the final, uh, you know, the final nail in the SEC's coffin here. Now, look, the SEC is going to make it look like they won. They're going to do a settlement with Ripple and they're going to say, like, see, told you they did this. Now we gave them a fine. This is not what the SEC <laughs> wanted for this case. They are losing the case. They just fired their director of enforcement. The director of enforcement resigned last week after being on the job since huh. 
January, the second one to, to resign in a very short order of time, direct reflection of the Ripple case. I don't have time to get into all the topsy-turvy, muddled, uh, you know, uh, you may not know this, but the lawyers for Ripple were a director at the SEC and the director of enforcement at the SEC during the time the XRP token was launched. That's who's defending it. Yes. So there's so much about this case that would blow your mind, but it's over. This is over. This is not going further. It, the settlement will probably come this month. Maybe it comes next month, but I believe probably by the middle of this month towards maybe about the 20th, we're going to get this case over. Now, what does this have to do with Uniswap? Well, the government's got to move on to the next thing. After mm-hmm. taking a loss this badly, Gary Ginsler, the, uh, a lizard person, as I like mm-hmm. to call him, <laughs> Gary Ginsler has to save face and move on to another big target, huh. uh, uh, something shiny, a shiny object that everybody can be like, oh, now we're scared about Uniswap. Let's totally forget about the SEC failure against Ripple. That's what's going on. Ultimately, there's not much to go after on, on Uniswap. Uh, I, I don't believe because of their, their process mm-hmm. for listing tokens. You can basically list anything there and get liquidity. The team itself is not providing the liquidity for every coin that is on there. All they're doing, similar to Bitcoin, is offering an you know an open source way for people to mm-hmm. be able to you know trade crypto. So I don't think there's much to go after. They could certainly hit them with a fine. Now Uniswap Labs makes big fees on these transactions, so they certainly do have a lot of money to pay some fines. That's probably where that thing will end up. If, if you if you haven't seen a pattern here, you're not looking. The pattern is SEC failure equals fine and settlement for the crypto projects other than a few that have been given a few that didn't really launch or couldn't afford to fight libraries still in the, uh, the thick of a fight against the sec. They don't necessarily have the funds. The ripple apps has uh, the Ken token uh, from the, the messenger kick. They were gone after very, very, very hard. Uh, Paragon was shut down. It was a scam. And of course EOS, you know, they went after them hard for mm-hmm. a, a $2 million fine. I think on a four or no, I think it was a $98 million fine on a $4 billion project. So it was about, you know, a very small percentage uh, of what they actually raised. So the SEC doesn't have a winning track record here in crypto, and uh, they're not going to start anytime soon. Just like BitConnect, uh, they're now trying to sue them three years after the fact when nothing was happening. Like, all right, well, we're just going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Absolutely. That's another one of those shiny object things. Everybody's talking about BitConnect all of a sudden again. Hmm. We're not talking about Ripple. Yep. But I have wow. a quick follow up to that. Do you think that XRP will start trading in the U.S. after that settlement? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, Which will I, I be huge. We'll, yeah, we'll probably see some positioning even before with some exchanges starting to relist as we get closer to the middle of the month. But yeah, it's definitely going to be trading. And that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're going to get the fine. They're going to be able to keep trading. Um, and that's why I've said that, in my opinion, for price alone, XRP is the number one coin for the second half of this bull run. Heard it. I can see awesome. that. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on, sharing some knowledge with us today. I know I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience did as well. Uh, we have your YouTube linked in the description below so people can go check you out there. Uh, but if you have any closing thoughts, any shout outs you want to give or any other places you want the audience to connect with you, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, we just launched our uh, BitLab Academy uh, where people can learn about blockchain if you're new. So it's good for your audience uh, that may not nice. you know, necessarily be the, yeah. the most advanced crypto users. You guys can check out BitLabAcademy.com. Awesome. Great, man. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. Hope you have a good day. All right. Yeah, thanks, thanks, man. Yeah, Bye. thank you. Well, uh, what'd you guys think? 
that was he was awesome i mean there's yeah <clears throat> i learned a whole bunch that i didn't even think about it that way especially the u.s mm-hmm. economy side or like the full even the global economy side didn't even think to you know i haven't correlated the two in the terms of bear bull market and see what it's going to all kind of come together mm-hmm. piece together and that's really really interesting i'll be right back yeah yeah, he's so deep in the ecosystem. He knows so much about it, uh, and he's very convincing with what he says. Um, Ryan, you have any thoughts? So, Logan, Logan, if if we do see a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin in the month of September, will you be selling? I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, if we do double, that's that's definitely a sign of a blow off top. I think I would definitely yeah. start averaging out of my position. But at the yeah, same exactly. time, we've seen. We've seen close to 100% pumps before the bull market was over. So, I mean, there's definitely different takes and, and a lot of things to take into account. I think that Ethereum's proof of stake might be the blow off top for this crypto market cycle, but only time will tell. Right. But like he said, he thinks the altcoin market's going to continue on after the Bitcoin top, which I, I think is really interesting. And I'd love to see that play out because there could be so much that goes on there. And, and really, people will be only focused on the altcoins. It could really kind of um, change the narrative that BTC is king. Um, I mean, we're continuing to see that BTC dominance slide in the ETH dominance rise. It's over 20% now, uh, which is just crazy. Um, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I think he shared a lot of interesting ideas that I really hadn't heard before. Um, and yeah, I mean, well, it'll be really, it'll be great to see what happens, you know? Yeah, totally. Agreed. I think uh, I heard what you guys said because I had my headphones. I had my dogs mm-hmm. going crazy, <clears throat> but I think that's spot on. And I think that Ethereum has a lot more room to grow in terms of you know just market cap everything. And Bitcoin is kind of hindered at the fact. Yeah, someone in the chat said they do have DeFi. They do have smart contracts. They do and they don't, and it's being added years and years later where they are, they're going to have to catch up. The whole time right. that all these other chains have had them, they're going to have to catch up, and these developers don't always work on these other chains. They're just strictly Bitcoin. And so it's it, 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 Bitcoin started all. It, it's just like anything else. Bitcoin is the, the key to this whole movement, to everything that we know and that we talk about on a day-to-day basis. Bitcoin yeah. has started, but... Everything else has kind of surpassed it. And now Bitcoin is like uh, what the pound compared to the euro. You don't use one one of them anymore. You only use the other, but it still started that their whole currency. So there's a lot to say. I mean, I hope that Ethereum, I personally believe Ethereum is uh, superior to Bitcoin, but that's just me in terms of where I want to store my, uh, va- where I have the best store of value, where I have the most functionality and where I can actually grow in the whole ecosystem in general. But that's not saying I don't not like Bitcoin because I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bitcoin is one application of DeFi, right? It's the store of value. And then mm-hmm. every other application of DeFi requires smart contracts. So the rest of it's going to be going on, on on blockchains that can handle smart contracts. I'm not entirely convinced about Bitcoin's ability to upgrade or the Lightning Network's ability uh, to really do some advanced stuff that we can see um, on like fully uh, Turing complete virtual machines like the the EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine. Um, yeah, I like I like that he was bullish about Cardano. Um, he's definitely more knowledgeable about it than I am. I didn't even know about their, yeah, their European Union deal, um, but that would be huge. I know they're doing a lot in Africa, which is pretty cool too. Um, crypto is insanely popular over there. It's really really cool, really cool to see that happening at the retail level first. But that's what crypto is all about, right? 
That's right. Solana will not flip Ethereum. I'm just going to say that right <laughs> now. You can quote me. But that's really interesting what he said about Solana, where because he's right. That whole pump, I mean, what, almost 100, 200% in the last week or two. It's not just because people are looking at there's a reason this money's coming in because if you look at the market cap and that's a whole lot of freaking money that's been pumped into it. and that's just not people random retail investors putting in their one thousand to ten thousand maybe even a hundred thousand I mean mm-hmm. if you're if you're that um, fancy but you know there, there's something else going on there but that is a good sign that people believe in it and even if it's shady mm-hmm. even if it's real even if it's not you know that's still a great sign for it but he's got a good point and um i've been bullish on cardano for a while and solana but i i cannot wait until we see what cardano can actually do because i'm a big fan of charles hoskins yeah for sure hey no i have i want to highlight your comment real quick eth can't scale no the main net can't scale uh but it will have shard chains 32 parallel blockchains that will scale and then also other layer two solutions and, and side chains will help ethereum to scale as well i mean that's what vitalik has been saying forever um so eth uh can scale i don't think many people will be using the main net in in the long term for most applications unless you need that heavy heavy level of decentralization um we have run completely out of time. We have Zinger stock trivia uh, starting one and a half minutes ago. Uh, so I'm going to wrap this up now. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into Moon or Bust today. Uh, hope you enjoyed. If you did, smash the like button. We had a great show for you, great interview. Uh, and we will see you not on Monday. It's, it's Labor Day, but we'll see you next Wednesday. And we'll get Peace the out, giveaway guys. for the thing. Stay yeah, tuned. We didn't Twitter. have it set up. We got, we got Doja Palooza yeah. giveaway next Wednesday, yes. guys. Go check Benzinga Twitter to win a free $350 ticket or a $1,000 VIP ticket to Doja Palooza. We're giving you more time. Away. So go check Benzinga Twitter and retweet it. Hit it up. Uh, we will see you Wednesday. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.